1: hello this is justin williams with the wolfpacker podcast we've got a full house today uh joined today by matt carter editor of the wolfpacker.com fellow co-host also joined by ethan mcdowell staff writer at the wolfpacker.com also a fellow co-host and guys be careful and pay attention to what ethan says because he's saying before the podcast that he's going to have a perfect bracket he's going to have probably the first perfect bracket in years so um Pay very close attention to Ethan's bracket tips here because he's going to be able to guide you to winning your office bracket pool, I think. Uh, I wouldn't listen to Matt or I, We don't really. We're, we're, just, we're just guessing. We're grasping at straws here. But everyone is here to listen to NC State Creighton an analysis. We will get into that. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about our reactions from Selection Sunday. NC State getting in as an 11 seed. Doesn't even have to go to Dayton, despite many people's fears on, on Twitter over the weekend. NC State avoids Dayton. NC State gets in over Clemson, despite the Tigers beating NC State three times. We'll have a rotating takes on that. Um, but before we get into our NCAA tournament preview for the Wolfpack, uh, just some quick reminders and for the, for the listeners and viewers at home, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We're also on YouTube. Uh, we've even got a special producer. Shout out to Trey in Nashville producing this podcast for our YouTube uh, viewers at home. So I'm sure he's going to be putting in some solid B-rolls, some tweets, some, some graphics in this podcast. So it's going to be a very visually appeasing podcast. I'd, I'd highly recommend going to the YouTube channel, uh, giving this video a thumbs up, and definitely subscribing to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. Close to 2,000 subscribers. I think we're going to eclipse that now that we're in March. Um, Shout out to our sponsor, Rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E shop.com. Go there for your premium cannabis, Delta 8, Delta 9, and CBD goods. They've got all kinds of great products, whether it's cannabis itself, tinctures, oils, cartridges, edibles. I think they even got a lotion on there. I mean, they've got all kinds of great products, any type of medium that you need for your cannabis consumption. These are great natural products to help you with some some problems that we all suffer from, whether it's chronic pain and inflammation, anxiety and stress, maybe trouble sleeping at night, and uh, cannabis, CBD, Delta-8, Delta-9, THC. All great stuff to, uh, to help you with those symptoms in a natural way. It's a small business founded by a husband and wife. The husband is a disabled veteran that his life changed so much for the better that when he turned to these natural products, he wanted to create this business, rogueshop.com, to share it with the folks like you. So uh, head over to rogueshop.com, R-O-G-U-E shop.com. They've got a great chat feature on the site where you can ask them any questions about some of their products if, if you're curious. They're also on the message boards on the Wolfpacker.com. So if you are a message board member or if you're a subscriber to the Wolfpacker.com, feel free to shoot them a message. They are pretty active on the message boards. And speaking of the message boards, if you don't have access, well, you might want to take advantage of this special deal going on right now. For $29.99, you can get a premium subscription to the Wolfpacker.com as part of the On3 network through the beginning of college football season. Yes, I know. It's a March Madness show college football, probably on the backs of the minds of many listening to this podcast, but it's going to be here before you know it. And we've still got what a solid five, five and a half months until the end of August 2023, which is where your subscription will take you for that small price of $29.99. Normally about $10 a month to be a premium member of the Wolfpacker.com. So significant savings there, about 50% if you uh, take advantage of it today. So uh, head over to the Wolfpacker.com. And take advantage of that deal now. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I think it's time to start talking brackets. But before we dive into our upset picks and before we dive into Wolfpack Blue Jays in the 6-11 matchup out of Denver on Friday, let's, uh, let's go back to Sunday. Selection Sunday. Matt, Ethan, I don't know if you guys were together, separated on your way Back from Greensboro, already back from Greensboro at that point. But take me to where you were and how you were feeling going into the selection show and your reaction to seeing the Wolfpack on the 11 line, avoiding Dayton, the first four, like many had predicted after NC State lost three of their last four going into the NCAA tournament. I'll start with you, Matt, our veteran expert here.
2: Yeah, uh, full disclosure. I was one of those that had NC State in Dayton, so um, I think I te- texted both Ethan and Justin. I had NC State as the next to last team in the field. We put up a uh, a bracket. I put up a bracket on the Wolfpacker.com for our subscribers and really kind of broke it down. And um, so I was a little bit surprised. No, uh, the They were not in Dayton, to be honest. I I thought the lack of really high-end wins might come back to hurting. She stayed a little bit. Um, But I thought the fact that they were also pretty consistent, no bad losses in quad three, quad four. They didn't have a great schedule, but it wasn't an albatross either of a schedule. would carry the day. It just wouldn't get them much past Dayton. So, to tell you where I was. I was in my living room. Um, I wasn't like Ethan, living uh, the good life in Wilmington, apparently, over the weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, my daughter, who's about to be 11, really getting in. She calls it March Madness. That's all in brackets. Is it, you know, is it bracket time? So we were watching together. And I remember saying, all right, got to watch the 11 seeds. So uh, let's see who pops up here. And sure enough, and she stayed. Wait the the first one. So that's much better as an entry state fan, much better than when was it? Uh twenty twenty thirteen, maybe Justin. You might remember when they were It was either
1: twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, but
2: the very last, last, last
1: team announced.
2: Yeah. <laughs> as an eleven seed. And um and then in twenty nineteen, you know, you had to list the bubble teams you're watching for and you, it became pretty clear once you said oh school X and school Y and school G was in, you knew NC State was probably out. So this made life a lot easier. Um uh, knowing they got in quick. So I don't know. Do you want me to get into why they got picked over Clemson or do you want Ethan's
1: uh let's kick it let's kick it to Ethan. Ethan, were you going in the selection Sunday? Were you confident that the Wolfpack would would have its name called? I, I was I would say in the days
0: leading up to it, my confidence had Started high, dropped off a cliff, but by the time the selection show rolled around, it had built back up, and I was pretty confident they were going to make the field. But I was already looking up on um, travel plans to Dayton. I was almost completely sure. Okay, they're going to be a first four team. That was definitely the feeling I was getting. Um, so I was um, I was pleasantly surprised to see them um, get in and head to Denver.
2: Denver How much is the flight to Dayton? How much did the flight to Dayton?
0: It, it was like four hundred dollars. It wasn't even that much cheaper than um. Going out to Denver.
2: Okay.
1: Not terrible considering the spike in uh, flight activity going to Dayton, I'm sure, this week. But, you okay. know, especially with flight prices these days. But, uh, but Matt, you're, you're our expert bracketologist. Uh, I'd say I agree with both of you guys. You know, I, I was the guy on the podcast, I think, a couple of weeks ago, Matt. We had a podcast right before NC State played Clemson and Duke at home in the regular season. And I said that NC State was a lock to make the NCAA tournament. And Matt, the uh, the experienced, the wise one, said, uh, "Young grasshopper, <laughs> stand down. I know you're excited, but uh, you know it, it's not a slam dunk. Maybe like you think it is. And you explained maybe the worst case scenario. Now the worst case scenario didn't play out because NC State did end up making the NCAA tournament. But it was as close." To a worst-case scenario ending for NC State's resume, um, as one could have predicted at the time. Of course, what at, at the time NC State was coming off the win against Wake Forest,
2: right? Wake or Carolina, one of one of those two. They had
1: won back-to-back home games in pretty impressive fashion, I'd say, in, in both games. And yeah. you thought maybe the third, you know, second time getting Clemson back at home, you expect NC State was a seven-point. Favorite in that game and just got hammered Um, Duke much more competitive, impressive effort on the road against the eventual ACC champions, but just a little bit too little, too late. Not enough Turquavion Smith in that game for NC state to win looked amazing against Virginia tech Uh, looked like a team that maybe had four wins in them in Greensboro. And then of course they, uh, they go on to face their kryptonite in Clemson. Uh, so, Matt, all that dragged out to recap and, and leading it to you. You're expert bracketologist. Why did NC State make the NCAA tournament? And why did Clemson, who beat NC State three times in impressive fashion, was left out of the tournament?
2: Yeah, so there's a great resource on onenolan.com where you can get all the team sheets. And if you're a node which I will fully admit I am, um, you can start comparing the two team sheets and you can almost put them side by side on the screen and, and see. And, and really, when you look at Clemson's resume, right now this is full disclosure, I think Clemson's a really, really good basketball team. I think they are an NCAA tournament team. Um, and I also think they had some of the worst luck of any team In the country, because I don't think they intended to schedule this bad. I think it just blew up on them. Hmm. You know, they had neutral court games against Iowa, Cal, Richmond, Loyola, Chicago. You're playing Penn State at home. You play at South Carolina. You got a good Towson team coming. You know, that's not a schedule set up to be number 333 in the country. But Cal sucked. They might have been worse than Louisville. Um, that I can t- I can.
1: I can assure you, as someone that watches Cal basketball, they are definitely to. they're the only because I have to. Yeah. That they are worse than Louisville. That is that's a bad team. Yeah,
2: Loyola Chicago NCAA tournament team a year ago, Final Four a few years ago, won ten games this year, ended up being net two sixty nine. Uh, South Carolina was net 234. Kyle was net 313. Richmond, normally a top 100 net team. They were 159. And so all of that just kind of blew up. But when your strength of schedule in non-conference is 333, uh, Justin, what happened when NC State had a non-conference strength of schedule well under 300 a few years ago? Uh, well, Kevin Keats will, will promptly remind you,
1: <laughs> NC State was left out of term. And should have been in, according to Kevin Keats.
2: When you have a sprint, non-conference sprint schedule that bad, you have to be flawless. It's the most consistent metric the committee uses. Ask That's... Wake Forest last year. Mm-hmm. You just have to be flawless. And Clemson had two quad three losses, two quad four losses. They had four quad one wins. Half of those was NC State. They had six wins against teams in the field. Half of those were NC State. Uh, so really a lot of the strength of their resume was just them owning NC State. They did have a nice win at Pitt. They did beat Duke at home. Uh, those were earlier in the season. And then Clemson, you know, you want this year. You didn't want to be playing the bottom four teams in the ACC a lot. They got them seven times. It just happened to be bad luck for them. They get uh, Florida State twice. They got Georgia Tech twice. They got Louisville twice. Yeah, that really dragged down the schedule and put you in a no-win, lot to lose situation. And when you're playing, and you had a game against BC and a game against Notre Dame, that's eight games where they had nothing to gain and a lot to lose. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to go eight and O oh in the game. They end up going six and two, um, and they really because they had to be flawless because of bad luck with how the non-conference schedule went out. They owned NC State. I get that. But it's a metric-driven decision. And if you look at NC State's team sheet, they had eight quad one, two wins. Clemson had seven. They both beat the same number of teams in the field. Um, NC State had a slightly better home away-from-home record. And I think NC State had a little bit better depth of wins in terms of you know, they did beat teams like Dayton and Vanderbilt and North Carolina that may not have made the tournament, but they were right there in the picture for the tournament. So it I really wasn't as close. It's just the fact that Clemson kicked in NC State's butt two times in two weeks that may have created a perception. But if you were to compare them side by side, it's not that close, to be blunt about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ethan. at this time a couple of weeks ago, a lot of the chatter was NC State. <clears throat> you could still say they don't have a bad loss on their schedule, right? And yes.
2: Clemson has two very significant ones. So. Four, if you want to go deeper. Four, yeah. Sure. Uh, that's it. And when your non-conference schedule 300 below, you have to be flawless. Rutgers, by the way, same problem. Yeah. They were even better version of Clemson. But their non-conference schedule was 314, and they lost four quad three games. I, I was surprised
0: them. that UNC ended up um, above them on the first four out. Though, did that surprise either of
2: y'all? Uh, I, I was a little when I started looking at that team sheet. I was like, "Oh boy, NC State fans are going to go crazy." But um, honestly, if Carolina had scored like one more point in about three or four games, they're probably in the field. Yeah, mm. uh, if, if they. Just to add to their misery. If they had um, beaten Duke in the regular season finale, they're probably in the field.
1: If they. One
2: more point in regulation or the first three overtimes against Alabama on a neutral yep. court. Yeah. They're in the NCAA tournament. You don't lose to Pittsburgh by one point uh, at home, <clears> probably <throat> in the NCAA tournament or two points on the road. Or how about this? Don't blow a six point lead with nine minutes to go against NC State in PNC Arena. If the outcome were different in that game, those Could two be, teams might have flip flopped where they were yep. in the NCAA tournament. So Yeah, it didn't, didn't
1: feel like it at the moment, but that game, I mean, probably the winner decided the outcome of the NCAA tournament faith of both teams. In hindsight, Justin, you were right when you said they were locked in at that point. It's true. It's true. I mean, it, it. look, I mean, it It doesn't matter how we got there. It just matters that the take was correct. And thank goodness <laughs> NC State hung on for dear life. And thank you to the selection committee for making sure that I didn't have to get my clip sent to uh, old takes exposed. Um, But yeah, I mean, you just felt like after that two game home win streak at the towards the end of the regular season, NC State, I mean, I really did feel that NC State was firmly in the NCAA tournament field. Now I also thought in the back of my mind that NC state wasn't going to let the foot off the gas going into the last two games of the regular season and going into the ACC tournament. So let's talk a little bit about, and I know we want to get into the matchup with NC state Creighton. everybody's dying to know, you know, what we think of this matchup. But uh, before we do that, why don't we talk a little bit about how NC state ended the season and, and just our thoughts on, you know, what, What do you think about this team heading into March? Despite any matchup, throw out the matchup, which is important because this team, especially towards the end of the season, has shown that it is a very matchup-dependent team. Uh, NC State probably can go toe-to-toe with any team in the country that is willing to play a game in the 70s or 80s. NC State wants no part of a team that wants to play a game in the 50s and 60s like Clemson, like Virginia, and there's many more out there in the NCAA tournament. But, uh, Ethan, I'm, I'll throw it to you first. You know, going into those last two home games, going into the Clemson senior night, going into road game at Duke, um, you know, what what did you kind of expect NC State to do towards the end of the season, and how did that compare to what actually happened? I honestly thought they had a
0: really good shot to make a
1: deep run in Greensboro, and I,
0: it w- I went into the tournament and- – not expecting, but very optimistic that they could be playing in that um, semifinal and perhaps even reaching the final. Um, And then when you saw what they did against Virginia Tech, of course, that confidence spiked. And um, then, like Matt Matt has said it before, like that um, the Clemson matchup, I think it's a Clemson problem, not an NC State problem in terms of just – it's just a brutal matchup for them, and it's tough to guard that team with with NC State. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm still feeling – honestly quite good about this team and I think they can beat literally anyone there I don't think there's a team in the field they could not beat but um I could easily just to see them losing to anyone in the tournament but um we'll get into the matchup in a few minutes but I think that that part of it worked out well
2: Matt I think if you go back and look at the last six games the way they finished against UNC at home that was impressive the way they beat Wake Forest at home. That was impressive. Then they played Clemson. That was a clunker, we thought, to go to Duke, especially with the benefit of hindsight, to lose by four points. And that's because Duke made free throws in the last 30 seconds. That's not a bad performance at all at Duke. Um, You know, especially since they got two points from when a guy – Flopped after getting pushed, and they went to the review on it and gave him a technical foul. It's mm-hmm. still bizarre how that happened. Then you play Virginia Tech, who's a nice team. Um, you know, they're, they're in the NIT. I'm not trying to say that to put Virginia Tech down. I'm just trying to say that's a nice team. In the NIT over Wake Forest. Yep. And you ran circles around Virginia Tech in that first game. Really impressive. Then you got your butt kicked by Clemson. So that's why I pointed out I, the last six games, four of the six have been pretty nice to downright impressive performances. Mm-hmm. And the two that weren't were Clemson. Yeah. And you get the fact, okay, P.J. Hall very hard to defend for D.J. Bones. Yes. And they got those physical guards that love to make, you know, get in the gaps. Um, there's a the style of play, the challenge for a team like NC State. Their personnel is a challenge for a team like NC State. By the way, Clemson blew out a ton of teams late in the year. They just had the one hiccup at Louisville, and, I, um, and they couldn't play Virginia. Um, but I think they had like five 20-point wins in the last month of the year. So that's why it's, it's just a It's really the Clemson problem. I, I think they've been playing pretty good basketball for the last month. Yeah, they lost at Syracuse February 14th. It's now March 14th. In between, they've only – put one team has given them problems. Otherwise, they've been playing well. And I, I think Clemson fans have a
1: legitimate gripe of being left out of the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I see on Twitter, NC State Twitter, you know, with, NC State I, – I, I explain to people that don't understand the rivalries on the West Coast if you had to tell me NC state's second biggest rival, I would honestly make the argument that it's Clemson. I think in terms of just school, like NC state, Duke has the history. It looks great to see those two jerseys on the field or on the court, but I don't think fans like I don't think NC state fans hate Duke fans and vice versa necessarily. I don't know. Maybe that's just a younger generation thing. But with Clemson, there's a, there's a huge rivalry on the football field, and now there's becoming even more of a rivalry on the basketball court. And they're similar schools. They're, they're two programs in similar spots, kind of rotating middle-tier ACC teams that are fighting for those bubble spots in the NCAA tournament over the past five, 10 years. Um, but they, do, they play two, different, two very different styles, and clearly Clemson's style is very problematic for NC State. Not only do they have the pick-and-pop bigs, Matt, that DJ Burns struggles to defend on the perimeter, and and so would Mahorchich most likely as well, just because he's not necessarily the quickest guy on the court. Um, But they also slow the pace down tremendously. And that – NC State is at its best when it's running in transition. Its offense is generated based on defensive stops, whether it's a rebound, whether it's a turnover. They want to pick up the pace – because they have better athletes than you. They have quicker guards than you. They want to get out and, and, and run. And Clemson wants to do the exact opposite of that, because if they played in NC State's strengths, they would be the team losing by 30 points. And in the three matchups that they've had against NC State, they've just been able to enforce their will enough on the Wolfpack to have the results that we've seen. Uh, but, yeah, to me, Clemson is no doubt an NCAA tournament team. I don't know. To me, the gripe is not Clemson should have been – in and NC state should have been out. I think you just have to ask yourself, how does Nevada get in after losing the last three games of the year? All of which not even sniffing NCAA tournament teams. They lost on the road at Wyoming, one of the worst teams in the mountain West conference. They lost uh, overtime to UNLV at home on senior night. And then they lost in the mountain West conference uh, quarterfinals to San Jose state, which is a great story this year. San Jose State back in the postseason for the first time since 2011, but that postseason is the CBI. That's a CBI team. That's the tournament. <laughs> that Mount. Get this: San Jose State had never won a Mountain West Conference tournament game ever. They they joined the conference in 2013. That's one of the worst Division One college basketball programs ever. Now credit to San Jose State for winning that game, but Nevada limping into the postseason. I think the Clemson Tigers should have been taking their spot playing the Arizona State Sun Devils on Wednesday, but I think that's enough Clemson talk.
2: Yep. All right. I agree. You mentioned matchups. I think Quayton, by the way, definitely not Clemson-style a play. No. And, uh, that'll, uh, I don't know. Do you want to get on into Quayton now? I, I think it's
1: time. We're 25 minutes in. We, we're beyond selection Sunday. NC State is in. Clemson, I'm sorry, you're the one seed in the NIT. Good luck to you. Um, but yeah, let's talk Wolfpack Creighton six eleven matchup. Matt, you alluded to it. You want to you want to tell us why maybe Creighton's uh, playing style will make for a more enjoyable product to watch? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> up and down, they like to get up and down. Um, they have always been fast paced under Greg McDermott. I can remember they actually played NC State and Dennis Smith. The Forgotten Year, uh, the the Forbidden Year, I guess we want to call it at N.C. State, the year that's no longer on the record books. Yeah, if you go to GoPack.com, and I think it says forfeit on all the wins now oh. that year. But um, that game was fun. I think it ended up being like 112 to 98 or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Creighton won the game, but um, they're going to get up and down the court, and they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is a team that's that, uh, built similarly to, to Clemson. So it should be a fun game. There are a lot of factors in this game. When you really get into it, you wonder about how they're going to play in to the game. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting matchup. It is, uh, Ethan, what
1: just your initial take, what's the most or what's the part of the game that you're going to be watching the most with this matchup? And, and how do you think Creighton matches up with, with NC State?
0: And from um, a <clears throat> neutral observer's point of view, I think it's going to be maybe the most entertaining game of that first round just because of the fireworks it, it could, that could happen on offense. Um, and because you have a lot of really, really good guards and you have um, a really intriguing um, big man matchup in the, in the middle with Kalkbrenner um, and then D.J., um, that, that's going to be very interesting to see how they can how they guard each other foul trouble could dictate a lot of what happens um, early in that game and um, another thing obviously both teams are going to run the floor a bunch and then if you look at their minutes per game with this Creighton team they have four guys that are um, at um 31 and a half or above minutes per game that's ridiculous so it's going to be a short bench it's going to be the same like seven guys on the court pretty much the entire game for them. And um, it's, it's going to, that's going to be exciting. And I mean, they play at that pace all the time. Both teams are going to be kind of in their comfort zone. And I think we could get a really high scoring and um, super entertaining matchup, especially if um Jarkel or Turquavion
1: are hitting their shots. I we've, it's obviously going to be an offensive show. Maybe, maybe we tune in on Friday at four o'clock and, both these teams go cold, but Matt, you know where do you think? Uh, or I'm not throwing it to Matt because Matt has muted himself. We'll go I'm back. Gr- I'm that. good. I'm okay, good. Matt is good. All right, Matt is good. Matt, defensively, how can NC State slow Creighton down? Because kind of a strength on strength, if you look at the numbers, Creighton a great three point shooting team, but NC State a great team at preventing teams to get hot from three. You know, take out the last three games you saw against Clemson out of the equation. <laughs> NC State is pretty good at forcing teams off the three point line. So, Matt, where do you see the Wolfpack matching up defensively against the Blue Jays?
2: That's, it. I mean, I, the ability to run them off the three point line is going to be huge in the game. You know, the four guys that they, they have the seven footer, right? Ryan, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, Cockbrenner, um, seven footer. He will take an occasional three, very occasionally. Um, but the other four guys that will primarily play 40% of their shots come from three point range. That's, that's a rough estimate, but it's an accurate, accurate estimate. Um, all of them average at roughly about at least four three pointers tried per game. Um, so your ability to get them off of that comfort zone, that's what they prefer. I think it's going to be, Extremely important. That means getting back on defense. That's been a problem for NC State this year. Getting back on defense. Um, you know, don't waste time celebrating the made shot. You yeah. know, get back. Um, and then a little quite frankly, you just kinda kinda hope that Creighton's off. And if you look at their losses, they just don't shoot the I don't know if they're a classic live and die by the three team. But they almost come across that way when you're studying the numbers for Creighton. So, yeah, I think that's where it starts. I mean, uh, uh, you know, DJ Bones has got to stay out of foul trouble because the seven-footer is good. Park Brenner averages 15.4 points per game. And get this, he shoots 71.4% from the field. That's nuts. Um, he also averages 2.2 block shots per game. And so that's going to be a challenge for Burns to have a seven-foot-one shot blocker you know, going up against. So um, it's going to be interesting in that, that matchup as well. Yeah, I've Obviously seen
0: that with, um, having Kalkbrenner defending him one-on-one, if um maybe T- Creighton won't have to help on him and double Burns as much as other teams do, which has led to a, a lot of open threes and a lot of open looks for NC State this year. That could
1: be um a pretty big factor there. Yeah, but it almost seems that D- that's what's, that's what trips DJ Burns up is when he kind of, he gets slowed down and then the double team, he gives time for the double team to become effective and, and disrupt his dribble. Because if they're not going to double team him, I mean, I'm going to take DJ Burns with that bet more times than not against anybody in the country until I see him denied one-on-one, you know, consistently against any big, It, it just seemed that the teams that were effective in stopping DJ Burns were able to effectively double team him before he got close enough to the rim. Because w- once he gets on that low block, man, I mean, it, <laughs> that's a lot of surface area to cover. I mean, he might <laughs> he might be at a disadvantage height-wise, but he's going to have the weight advantage. Um, you know, one one question for you guys. Do you think that Ebenezer Dewana could potentially provide a little more defensive upside if they're getting burned by the center here? And, in in, you know, if, if Creighton's able to manipulate ball screens, because as great as DJ Burns has been on the offensive end, really towards the end of the season here, he's struggled defensively. And I feel like for certain stretches, EB is, you know, he's got the shot blocking ability more so than Burns. Um, you're not going to get much from EB offensively, but he's got some defensive doggedness to him. So, I mean, could could you see maybe Kevin Keats dialing the numbers there a little bit, maybe a little, a little, bit, a little bit more run for EB if he can find a little bit more success on the defensive end?
0: I I'll, wonder if that's right. going to be um, – a little more dependent on if the shots are falling for the guards. If you can afford to not have DJ's offense on the floor for um, however many minutes in the game, then maybe you think, okay, we can put EB in there and um, just let Turquayvian and Jarquel cook for a bit. But um, if you need those like five post possessions and that seven minute span or whatever, then um, yeah, I think that it might come down to that. But I love what EB brings defensively. So I think that's
2: a really good point. It's interesting. Cockburner has only had four or more fouls in two out of 30 games this year, which is a unique ability to defend uh, without fouling. And he's averaging over two block shots per game. But to your a question about DeWana, I almost wonder if it's not beneficial also from the sheer standpoint of they're playing in Denver. That's high altitude. Mile high city, right? Yep. So... um Conditioning could be a factor. And that's an X factor in this game because, as Ethan correctly pointed out, Creighton's going to ride with their starting five. And when they lost in double overtime to Providence, all five of their starters played 45 minutes or more in that game. They're going to ride with their starting five. So how are they going to hold up? And is that something where they're going to – if it's going to be a track meet game, you know the ability to have a bench and to get Bones a rest, yeah. and it's a close game late. DJ Bones becomes a huge asset late in the game because he gets so difficult to defend. Um, that that is how NC State was able to pull out some of these close games. They went to DJ Bones and and had the offense run through him and becomes a huge asset. So. It's a real X-factor in all of this. is: Can Kevin Keats keep his guys fresh and competitive um, in the altitude of, of Denver, which is why another reason why you talked about in addition to maybe some of the defensive question marks why it would be beneficial for DeWarner and Onis Ross and if he's available, Greg Gantt, all uh, yep. those guys to get some valuable minutes so that you're not the team that you know, they're grasping for air late in the game.
1: Now, uh, one part of the matchup that I think is advantageous to NC State, at least in their playing style, is that while Creighton doesn't commit many fouls, they also don't draw many fouls because they settle for threes. Yeah. Um, so NC State has a, their bugaboo on defense all years. They commit a lot of fouls. And they don't, get, they don't get to the foul line much. So pretty much every game, NC State is at a disadvantage in terms of free throws. And in this game, it actually is plausible that by the end of the 40 minutes of regulation, NC State and Creighton, knock on wood, might shoot the same number of free throws just because of playing style. So, uh, I mean, do you guys both see that as an advantage for NC State? And, I mean, even if DJ Burns stays out of foul trouble, I don't see him playing 35-plus minutes like we mentioned with the altitude. But – it's nice to not ha- – you don't have to send him to the bench just because he's in foul trouble. You can send him to the bench when you strategically want to and need to.
2: You
1: want to, yeah, to I'd, yeah, I'd say it's
0: just inarguable. Any situation that keeps DJ Burns out of foul trouble. And um, Terquavion, I feel like uh, in the past month or so, we've had a few games where um, he'll pick up two first-half fouls while he's kind of in a rhythm too, and that kind of knocks him out of – the met lets him cool off a little bit so any situation where they're in the game they're not having to worry about trying hard on
1: defense um yeah I think uh I think that's obviously a positive positive. And, and Creighton also doesn't force many turnovers uh where they don't commit a lot of turnovers so NC State's gonna have its work cut out for them in terms of forcing turnovers on the defensive end one of its strengths but an even better strength for the Wolfpack is it's It's one of the uh, most efficient offenses in the country in terms of not turning the ball over, which has been something that's reared its ugly head a little bit in this, you know, in the last couple games against Clemson, particularly in the ACC tournament. A lot of sloppy turnovers got NC State out of the game, gave the Tigers that, you know, double-digit lead, which ultimately led to uh, to the outcome. But, you know, in terms of turnover margin, you look at NC State's record when NC State wins the turnover margin and scores at least 70 points, they've got a tremendous track record. So do you see – I mean, is there a particular area, Matt, that you see as the, the true X factor in this game beyond altitude? Is there a statistic where you circle it and say if NC State wins this stat, they're going to
2: win this game? Just to circle back to what you were talking about by free throws for some context, out of 363 teams in the country, Creighton is 261st in free throws attempted per game. And ironically, you don't have to go far, or coincidentally, you don't have to go far to find NC State. They're two spots below Creighton in the number of free throws attempted per game. So hopefully that means this is going to be a quick-paced game. Um and that the officials will be letting them play because there's just not a lot of fouls to be had. Um, yeah, I, I, normally I would say kind of 70 points is the number to watch for, but I think Creighton is going to be looking for that too. I think both teams will easily get to 70 points, especially if they're hitting their shots. Um, points in the paint has been a big one for NC State this year. When they win points in the paint, they typically win the game. That's been a pretty stark um statistic of note. Um, mentioned the turnover margin. Transition is another one. Both teams are probably going to be wanting to get out in transition. Um, so how well do they they do that? I'm trying to pull up the marks here. So NC State 20 and one when leading at halftime, twenty um, three and four when reaching seventy points. 15 and 0 when outscoring teams in the paint, 20 and 5 when they have a double-digit lead in fast break points, 22 and 4 when winning the turnover margin. So those are kind of some of the key numbers really to watch for in this game. I'd be interested
1: to know what NC State's record is when Terquavion Smith has over 20 points. I don't. I know you don't have that statistic right in front of you, but I feel like if you go back to the games that NC State lost, many of them involved Terquavion taking a lot of shots and missing a lot of shots. And I'm not trying to put too much on the young man's shoulders, but you know what? He's the NIL money getter. He's he's the star of this team. He wants the smoke. He wants the limelight. And uh, you know, the best players show up in the biggest moments. Not to oversimplify things, but I really think. You know, this NC state team is gonna go as far
2: as Terquavion takes them. because Turquavion go ahead. I can say I, I can tell you this, yeah. they've only lost once when he did score twenty points or more. And I was ironically at Clemson when he was five for twenty one from the field but he made 8 or 10 free throws. To so it was
1: of... a, it was a Russell Westbrook type 21 points yep. I mean it was. So,
2: I don't know how many times he's had 20 points this year, but the only time they lost when he did have 20 points was a 5 for 21 shooting performance at Clemson and he scored 21 points.
0: Justin, are you suggesting you want to see Turk Lavion playing a different way or approaching the offense a different <laughs> way because sure a lot of the losses have come where he's you know, not hitting his shots, but a lot of the wins come when he's taking those same shots, but in their
1: fall then. I'm not insinuating that Turquavion needs to change anything about his game, but I think, I think there's, there's a fine line between when Turquavion is hyped up like Virginia tech game. That was totally, you just put me on the second team, all ACC. I'm going to raise both my middle fingers to all of you in the media and drop you know he he let his presence known right out of the gate against virginia tech a big deep three i thought the same thing was going to happen against clemson when he gets that and one pull-up jumper to start the game i'm like boom there you go hot start for Terquavion. get him going let him see the ball go through the hoop um because he's a microwave he it, he when he scores 32 it's not evenly distributed throughout 40 minutes there's like a 20 point flurry that happens over a you know seven or eight minute stretch so can he can he get that microwave stretch going on in denver we'll see i think he's going to be a guy that's uh i think he's going to be motivated to be playing in an nba arena by the way i think i think he's going to make for an even better pro than he is a college player um you know once he can kind of develop his game and 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 he's surrounded by guys that know their roles a little bit more i don't necessarily know that he's you know gotta be the the leading scorer on a winning team in fact i think nc state is probably at its best when jarkel joiner is there is there one a option on offense particularly in half court sets you know if, if game on the line nc state needs a bucket i don't know what you guys are thinking in terms of who we going to here but i think i'd put my money on jarkel joiner pull up mid-range shot as the one i'd want to see nc state go with if they need just a bucket to win or or force overtime what what about you guys? If you're you're the coach, you're in the huddle. State needs a bucket. Could be a two, could be a three. What where are you? What are you? What are you drawn up for the Wolfpack? And
2: who do you? Who do you want to have the ball in their hands at the end of the game? Hey, I'm I'm putting DJ Burns, tell him to post up at the three point line like he loves to do. Give him a nice little bounce pass that makes it easy. And I'm putting all four guys on the other fucking side of the court and let DJ Burns. Back up that generously listed three hundred seventy-five pound body of his. Whoa, 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 and whoa,
1: whoa! whoa. You, you, yeah, 200. come on,
2: man! You can't, you can't do my guy like that. You don't think? You think he below You 30. said
1: you, you misspoke. You said three seventy-five. He's,
2: he's what? five. I'm sorry. Two, yeah, 2 right. seventy-two 270, yeah. seventy-five. who, yeah. by the way, I had a vote for all ACC this year, and I did vote him thirteen all ACC. Um, I thought he could have been a because he's the most difficult matchup. Uh, out there. I had Jarkel join the first team all ACC. I did. Sorry, baby T. I did have you second team all ACC. So I'm one of those that he was given the double middle finger to uh, during the Virginia Tech game. But that's what I'm doing. I'm giving it to DJ Bones, clearing it out and isolating him for him because I don't think there's a big guy unless they are going to try the PJ Hall flop oh. that can really effectively guard him in the post. Ethan,
0: I think NC state's fortunate enough to have um three guys that I'd feel incredibly comfortable with giving the ball to, but I, I think I might be with you. I think I might give it to Jarkel in that situation. Also, you know, he's the um, super senior graduate student guy. He's been in so many big moments over his career. Let's just put it in his hands and um let him cook. But I I'd be comfortable with the DJ Burns play and I'd equally, um, be comfortable with letting Terquavion Smith pull-up or get to his floater, something
2: like that. Um, any of those three uh, works for me. I want to real real quick on an X factor, by the way. We, we talk a lot about Terquavion and um, Yeah, they Casey Moshel was kind of a nice sidekick for so long this season. In his last three games, he's just four for 20 shooting the basketball. Uh, and he's two two for 14 shooting threes over the last three games. So I think NC State's at its best when Marcel is that double-digit score in the game. And then, you know, he's always been a great defender. Um, But it just seems to be a little bit off ever since that Duke started with the Duke game when he went 0 for 8. I mean, State lost to Duke. With Morcell and Terquavion Smith playing horrible basketball games, and they only lost by four points. Um, so getting Casey Morcell back on track—that's that, another X factor for me. Kind of, yeah, he's kind of the forgotten guard in that trio, but he agreed. 40-
1: I said I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, it—that it, would be my sleeper pick, by the way. If you need—if you need a three late, everybody's gonna be looking at Terquavion. Everybody's gonna be looking at Jarkel Joiner. Maybe draw something up for joiner to find an open morcel from the corner he's got his hot spots too more yeah. uh there's like certain ranges of 3 point where he's like 55 60% and then there's certain ranges where he's like 20% so find your spot So go to the pepsi center early find your spot um but yeah it, nc state is is fortunate enough to have multiple options if that does become the case i just you know, the last time we saw the two guards play to their highest potential Virginia Tech game, if NC if the two guards play like that, and I'm not trying to discredit Morcell, but specifically if Joyner and Terquavion Smith are both on, NC State is going to win nine out of ten of those games. I mean, you know, if you get Alabama's A effort, I suppose there could be an instant classic where the Crimson Tide beat NC State at their best, but
2: <laughs>
1: I, I mean it's like uh-huh. like if, if you can guarantee that terquavion and jarkel joiner are going to be on their a game nc state's like a two seed
0: are there many if any guard duos in this tournament that you'd rather have than terquavion smith and Jarquel joiner i feel like they're i know it's off to the top of
1: your head but like i
0: just feel like there's not many like they got to be in top three top five
1: definitely up there i mean i I can't think off the top of my head, Matt, but you know Miami's backcourt is also up there. I mean, I, I, I put them right there with NC State.
2: Yeah, I'm admittedly biased toward the ACC because I know a ton more about the ACC. So I probably wouldn't be the one to speak of, but there aren't many backcourt guys that one guy can go for 30 and the other one can get 20 points, 10 assists in the same game like they did against Virginia Tech. I mean, that's pretty. And what makes them unique is they have abilities that are unguardable on offense. You know, if the Quayron Smith is going to hit those shots, what can you do? And if Jarquel Joyner is finishing at the rim and hitting his threes and hitting his step back back jumpers, what can you do? There aren't that many teams that have two guards, which, if they're on, all the defense can do is shrug its shoulders and say, what can we do,
1: you know? Well, speaking of shrugging your shoulders and asking what can we do, I, I don't think there's anything else to analyze about this game. I think we just got to roll the ball out there and see who the better team is over 40 minutes on Friday. But before we tune out, has everyone filled out their
2: bracket? I have a preliminary bracket filled out, yeah. My daughter okay. made me fill it out two minutes after the, the selection Sunday. Okay, Ethan Ethan looks confident. Ethan says that he's got the perfect
1: bracket ready to go. So uh, we could tell you the outcome of all the games right now if if Ethan just listed off his bracket. Um, I also have a preliminary bracket filled out, Matt. I think both you and I are are tweakers. We're tinkerers when it comes to the bracket, so there might be some changes. I'm already
2: being talked out of one of my final four picks. Apparently it's pretty silly. Um, But I had Tennessee making a run – I and mean, people started telling me they had some injury issues, I guess. And so I, I, I'm, I might have to back off of that one. But somebody's got to beat Duke. Well, I, you know, I, don't want, I don't want to put Duke in the Final Four because I just don't think a team coming into the ACC tournament, I mean, all, a team coming in the NCAA tournament with a nine-game winning streak is due for a loss. They're not going to get the 15 straight wins in a row. So i got to have Duke losing somewhere, and I thought it would be Tennessee. i got to reevaluate that whole section of the bracket now. Uh, Duke could
1: lose its first game to Oral Roberts. From what I've heard, Oral Roberts is like the best 12 seed in the tournament. Uh, Duke has a history of losing to double-digit seeds in the first round. Um, Now, you know,
2: John Shire getting his first
1: crack at it, so we'll see. But...
2: Yeah, and see, I can't do that because my ACC bias comes through and I, no. need, I need the ACC to, to silence the critics Absolutely. again for a second year in a row. And I want the Big Ten to fall flat on its face again for like the 19th year in a row. Yep. Um, for, they won't matter. They'll still get the same benefit of the doubt next year for some unknown reason. Uh, Big um, East has also struggled. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I know we dissected Creighton to death, but Creighton is 3-5 against the teams in the Big East that went to the NCAA tournament. Hmm. Uh, they are 3-1 and one against the two teams that went to the NIT, which is combined at a 6-6. And then they went 8-0 and o against the bottom four teams, which is kind of comparable to the bottom teams of the ACC this year. So when you look at that 14-6 and conference record, it's a little bit unbalanced. Credit to Creighton for being consistent, but there's a little bit of unbalance in that. But, uh, yeah, I I don't want Duke to lose first round because I want the ACC to rise up and and carry the torch again. 5-0. 5-0 first round ACC, baby. Let's go.
1: (laughs) First of all, Pitt's going to take care of business against Mississippi State tonight um, in the first four. But uh, I don't know. I think of the five ACC teams in the tournament, uh, Pittsburgh probably I'm least confident
2: about. Um, but let's well, go, let Jeff Capel. Let me ask Ethan, which ACC team do you have going the I'm It's Duke. Yeah, I have, I have Duke main, making the Elite Eight.
1: All right, let's let's go around. I, I have a vision for how we can kind of wrap up this podcast and, and send people on their way here. So let's start with the big question. Um, I'll start with Ethan since he's got the perfect bra- bracket. But everybody, tell me how far they have NC State going.
0: I have them making the Sweet Sixteen. I think I think they're gonna. What's the path?
2: Them. Beating Baylor too? Creighton and Baylor. Okay, Matt. I'm I'm gonna be the uh, uh, negative Nancy, I guess. I got them, I got him beating Creighton, but losing to Baylor in the second round. What?
1: I mean, is that really negative? I feel like the true negative Nancy would be like, you know, Creighton, because a lot of people like Creighton. Uh, Creighton I know is, one in
2: particular who really likes Creighton. Apparently,
1: we, yeah, we won't <laughs> we won't unveil we won't unveil the mask. Uh, it's nobody on this podcast, so you know, save your hate mail, but. Uh, <laughs> I will say that NC State's uh, NC State's in the South bracket, and I think the South bracket is top to bottom the easiest of the four brackets of the four regions. I think Alabama is going to have a cakewalk to the Final Four, uh, unless it stubs its toe along the way, but I don't see any legitimate opponent to knock off Alabama in the top half of that bracket. I think they easily get to the Elite Eight, maybe challenged in the Elite Eight, but I also don't think anybody at the bottom of the bracket is as good as Alabama. But that said, we're not talking about Alabama. We're talking about NC State. And I have NC State. Initially, my initial bracket, this is going to be kind of a homer pick, but Elite Eight. I mean, (laughs) now, now, tell me I'm crazy here. But first of all, guards win in March. Guards win in March. Right. All right. So I'm looking at the bracket here. I've got... I've got NC State beating Creighton. I've got UC Santa Barbara upsetting Baylor. Now that's been kind of a popular 14 over three. Baylor's limping into the postseason. Um, Baylor kind of underachieving towards the second half of the year. UC Santa Barbara plays a very weird style of basketball. They like to slow it down tremendously. They've got a very effective field goal percentage, which means they take advantage of the limited possessions that they have and In a single elimination tournament, that that is a recipe for crazy upset, the one you don't see coming. So give me the Gauchos to upset Baylor. Now, granted, NC State doesn't necessarily match up well against a team that wants to take the air out of the basketball and uh, and, and is very effective in a half-court offense. But UC Santa Barbara's Cinderella run is stopped in the second round. NC State goes back to the Sweet 16 where they will face – Missouri, because Missouri is going to upset Arizona. Yes, this is going to be a very upset-heavy bottom <sighs> half of the bracket, but it's still all eventually going to lead to Alabama going to the Final Four because, unfortunately, after NC State beats Missouri in the Sweet 16, two teams which metric, the metrics compare very similarly, by the way. Um, Alabama is going to beat NC State
2: in my Elite Eight. and the Mark Bowl, huh? Um, yeah. It feels to me, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Ethan. It feels to me like Justin is trying to set up the most favorable NC State bottom half of the bracket with all his upset picks. Is that what I'm doing? To give them the nicest pass possible. um, That does kind of sound like that. To the the Elite Eight. Props props to him. He says he could tweak it.
1: Arizona just won the Pac-12 tournament, like you said, Matt, just like with Duke. Arizona's due for a loss. You you, you don't want to ride too high on the conference champions, despite me Well, yeah, but
2: Arizona lost two out of three games before the tournament, so they might be hitting a stride. Could be. They also – UCLA probably should have
1: won that Pac-12 championship game.
2: You know why I say that? Because I have Arizona playing for the title, so don't mess up my – (laughs) Oh. My bracket.
1: Well, yeah. I think I think you'd be okay if if Arizona got upset and NC State makes it to the Elite 8. I I think I think you could be alright with that. Yeah. Sure. Uh Final Force.
0: I uh, have uh, Arizona, Gonzaga, and Houston.
1: Matt yeah.
2: Subject to change. I yeah. have Arizona, Tennessee. That might be the subject to change part. Yeah. Uh, Gonzaga as well um and Houston I okay uh, yep
1: uh, we got the same we got the same Gonzaga Houston matchup in the final four with these two guys. I'm going Alabama like I already said. I think that's my most confident pick to make the final four <laughs> but I'm gonna have to do some reevaluating after this podcast because these guys these these guys are, are making me not feel good about my bracket I I have Duke going to the uh it's to a the lot final of wins four. in a row
2: man. Now
1: I don't I don't trust Tennessee. I trust Duke to get to the Sweet 16. And you know who else I don't trust? I don't trust Purdue. Uh, I don't think Purdue. I think Purdue is going to get upset by whoever wins the Memphis FAU eight nine game. Give me Duke over either of those teams. And then you look at the bottom half of the bracket. Marquette. they they're a metrics darling out of the Big East, but Shaka Smart has still never won an NCAA tournament game. At Marquette, so I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. Give me Duke to represent the ACC in the Final Four, and then out of the Midwest, I have also Houston beating Texas A&M in the Elite Eight. Uh, but that is subject to change because Houston we've got to see about those injuries too, um, including Sasser, that one of their best players. And then finally, out of the West, I've got UCLA another situation where I think they've been the best team in college basketball throughout the season. Uh, they are suffering some injuries at the wrong time of the year, but if they can get healthy, I like UCLA in any given single elimination matchup. And I've got UCLA beating Alabama in the national championship game.
2: I had a uh, the year for Gonzaga. I feel like everybody, when nobody's picking them, they're all kind of been down in Gonzaga and that'll be the year that they finally finally win it. So I had Gonzaga beating Arizona.
0: Uh, I've been going back and forth on Houston and Gonzaga, and um, Sasser's health might end up
1: dictating which one I end up sticking with. I'll tell you what, Gonzaga really turned a corner at the end of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they only have one legitimate opponent in their conference, West Coast Conference, to play, St. Mary's. They lost to St. Mary's on the road earlier in the season. They blew out St. Mary's up in the kennel. And then they did it again in Las Vegas and the WCC tournament. So watch out for the Zags, but uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. Lots of NCAA tournament analysis. Now go enjoy filling out your brackets and uh, we'll be back after Friday to recap whatever happens between NC state and Creighton. Uh, some quick reminders for the listeners and viewers at home before you tune out, go subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, Google play, we're also on YouTube. Go watch our, our YouTube uh, go watch our show on YouTube. It's going to be very visually appeasing. I'm sure there's going to be some some bracket graphics involved. There's going to be some uh, high-end production value. You involved. know what we
2: need to do for the production value? I want Ethan to send his bracket in so we can put it up on the right. I, I right. want Yeah, we're going to do that. So, Ethan, I hope your handwriting gotten better in the last few days cuz I've seen your handwriting recently. <laughs> Uh, i for uh, Maybe print it out, Ethan, so people no, can read it. I'm not you, sure. okay? Okay. Yeah, you're ripping
1: his handwriting. You you gave I him. Have you the... seen
2: his handwriting? Yeah, No, it no it. but you
1: you gave him the backhand at the start of the show. With you know, should we talk about the NIT for your Hokies? Uh, <laughs> I mean, man, man, no no love. All right, well, yeah, we'll 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 put Ethan's bracket up, and then you can screenshot it for your perfect bracket. Um. But in order to do that, you got to go to our YouTube channel and watch the YouTube show. So, uh, so do that. And while you're there, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up. Drop a comment while you're at it. Uh, head over to thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of a special deal going on right now for $29.99. You can get premium subscription to thewolfpacker.com as part of the On3 network for small price $29.99. Takes you through the end of August. 2023 so it's a little over five months basically about a 50 percent savings because uh it's typically about ten dollars a month but hey saving 30 bucks here that's like probably a few office bracket pool entry fees right there so uh you can get a few bracket pool entry fees for free assuming that you take advantage of the deal and uh enjoy the the premium Work that Ethan and Matt provide over at the Wolfbacker.com. So head over there now, take advantage of that deal. And last but certainly not least, head over to rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-Shop.com for your premium cannabis C B D, Delta 8, Delta 9, THC goods. They've got all kinds of great products, whether it's cannabis itself, cartridges, oils, tinctures, lotions, edibles, all the different types of mediums for cannabis consumption. You can find it on rogueshop.com and these are great natural products to help with symptoms all of us experience throughout life, which is sleep deprivation, stress and anxiety, pain and inflammation. I'm sure we all deal with at least one of those things from time to time. And, uh, these are some great natural products to help you with some of those symptoms. Um, husband and wife founded small business. The husband is a disabled veteran that was turned on to these natural products and, uh, Made his life better so much so that he wanted to create this business to share it with the good folks like you. So head over to RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-Shop.com for your premium cannabis Delta 8, Delta 9 THD goods. All right. It was a long podcast, but NC State back in the NCAA tournament like it belongs. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get to the second weekend. We're hype. All right. For Matt Carter... Ethan McDowell, I'm Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.